everybody and welcome to this week's episode of the party invite show it's just two of us on deck tonight vilos is out so i'm your host tegan and i'm joined by obsidianite hello and the two of us are here to uh talk about something near and dear to uh to our hearts something we've been talking about a lot over the entirety of this year um we're we're almost to november and a lot of games that we've played this year have been asking uh, we've been asking ourselves the question do betas still feel special do they make you feel special when you're in them uh whether you had to apply or got invited or even you know something like an open beta uh we're gonna dive into kind of what it means today to be a part of uh, a beta or early access early access especially has a lot of different meanings um same word lots of meanings so we're gonna dive into that uh but before we do that because we're a community that celebrates games and the experiences of the people who play them let's kick off my favorite segment blissen up all right it's blissen up it's a an opportunity for the two of us and for everybody out in our community to talk about something that made them smile in gaming or non-gaming uh can be small big something you saw something you did something that happened to you um, I want to pull one out that I saw when I was uh, poking around the internet this week. I think it was earlier today. I was on the uh, Baldur's Gate 3 uh, group on Facebook. There's lots of good content on there. And uh, somebody was celebrating that uh, the game has localization to Ukraine. They talked at length at how important that was to them uh, because a lot of games are... Well, a lot of Ukrainian culture has been systematically created uh to trend towards russian so if if you live in ukraine because because uh ukrainian culture and russian culture are two different but similar things and uh, a lot of ukrainians don't speak uh the native tongue um it's just been it's intentionally been tried you know russia has tried to disappear that culture for uh a while now and a lot of games and uh news articles and outlets and all these things are usually written exclusively in russian so people in ukraine have to um accept any any of the russian localization that they get and that's just how it is there are a lot of uh game devs who uh work out of ukraine that are you know not necessarily work working against that actively as like you know that's why they're in ukraine but um this person was really celebrating how much they loved that they could celebrate and be comfortable in their own culture because Larian Studios took the time to uh, localize it to them specifically instead of just making it in Russian, which they totally could have done and the people in Ukraine could have still played it just fine. Uh, I really like that. And in a time uh, where the world's in a lot of turmoil right now, that, that exact kind of story is what I needed. You know, it's not something that happened to me, but it's something that makes me feel good that uh it's an example of going out of your way when you have the resources to include everyone even when you don't have to include them even when it's not necessarily going to be more profitable to include them um i think that makes a big difference in the world i think it it inspires others to do the same and i think that's worth uh you know signal boosting so yeah i just saw that today and and i really wanted to share that made me made me happy and it really clearly made an impact on that person so yeah it's good stuff. That's actually really cool. I mean, it seems like Baldur's Gate 3 has been like the the pillar of progression in like a lot of ways. And in a lot of really good ways too, you know. Um I remember the first one of the first tweets I saw about the game was how the character creation was like so intricate that she could literally make herself 
in the game. And she couldn't get that before because she doesn't have, like in her words, she doesn't have like, you know, the thin privilege or anything like that. She was a a more um, like rotund woman. And she was like, this is the first game I actually like see myself in. I feel represented. And the way like that a lot of people, whatever their like bodily shapes or their, you know, gender identities and things like that, um, whatever they feel, how they like to present themselves, how they like appear, they can just be like themselves as they want to be, as they are. And Mm -hmm. that made me just really happy because you really, really do not see that in a lot of games, even games that feature um, really heavy customization options. They they still have their limit. And I feel like Baldur's Gate just kind of issued that and it opened up the doors to a lot of catharsis for people. Yeah, you know, and I think a lot about this. Uh, I, I listen, I mean, honestly, it was probably like a TED dog or something I heard a while ago. I have started to listen to those a lot uh, in the past couple of weeks and I'm like, oh, right, this is why they're held in such high regard. I've listened to a lot of good episodes. Um, but one of them was uh, about self-reflection on your body and all these different things. This was a long time ago. I see. I can't even remember where it came from. But the idea that came from it was that, um, like, this this is how I feel, and I'm not, I'm don't expect that other people will feel this way, or that in the context you should even feel the same way as I do. But it's the idea that um, you can use like 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 uh, fat and ugly are not synonymous. Likewise, I am very skinny. I've been very skinny my whole life. I actually need to go to the doctor and get my thyroid checked out because uh, with the calories I'm eating, it's just something's not, you know, something's got to give. Wait, so, is that something they can tell you? Because I think I have the same problem. <laughs> like, I mean, I could not gain weight like at all. I think we talked about this before, like in, like we, not on, on uh, you know, cast, but. Yeah, well, you should. I mean, with mine, it's it definitely runs in my family. Um, my, my grandpa, who I am built just like, um, my, my mom has really been nudging me in the direction. She's like, hey, you saw what he did. He, you know, when, when you were, you know, probably too young to remember, he he took these uh, the, these pills to regulate his thyroid and he immediately uh, got more towards the weight he was trying to get to. Because he's always been rail thin, but not unhealthy. He was always very active um, and all this stuff. But uh, yeah, that is a real thing. And you might look into seeing if uh, it, it runs in your family. But I, I wouldn't be surprised because uh, you're like me. You're active and stuff. Uh, and it's not like, well, whatever, you know, it's it's not like we are mistreating our bodies, uh, but that's just the way our bodies are built. So um, it's the idea that, like, I am very comfortable with how skinny I am. Uh, maybe I would feel different if, well, I could feel different for a lot of reasons. I'm not trying to make this a whole, uh, I'm not trying to dump all of my my life experience into the bliss and up segment of the show, but... Um, <laughs> It's that I do feel comfortable with where my body's at. And if people tell me I'm skinny, that doesn't mean that I can't also look good, you know? And uh, the the other side of that, which I understand is different, is uh, that if people say that someone's fat, that does not mean that they are unattractive. Uh, or certainly they shouldn't uh, view themselves that way. Again, it's the two very different situations, but two sides of the spectrum. The idea is that like, if someone calls me skinny, that is an observation, not a judgment. And I wish that it wasn't, I wish there was more room for nuance on the other side of the spectrum when someone's much bigger, that uh, just because someone is big, uh, any synonym for the word fat uh, does not, that's not a judgment. That is, you know, a statement or an observation. And I wish there was more room in our cultural conversation um, for, for beauty 
and fatness to be a little more uh to live a little closer and comfortably in our dialogue the way that skinny and beauty uh tend to live side by side even when skinny and beauty can be intentional unhealthiness you know uh, yeah. But that's a whole huge conversation. Um, but that just does remind me that uh, because that's that's come up in my life a lot lately. And um, I want to do something about it. You know, I'm uh, I'm here in my 30s and there's for, for most things across my life. The best time to make any change is right now. Really, the best time is yesterday. But today's the best I can do. <laughs> Unless you got a time machine. That's right. Uh, this is supposed to be the future. Why don't we have that yet? Oh man. Well, well, we're working on it. Uh, you know, I did hear. I did hear a funny. Um, I, I listened to a lot of really enlightening stuff on artificial intelligence over the past few weeks. In fact, we were talking about it in our Discord. Uh, for those interested, I'll link it later in chat. Uh, it's a series on Freakonomics Radio, a wonderful podcast. It's a three-part series on artificial intelligence. But it's funny looking back on predictions of the future. We were talking about the time machine, looking at predictions mm -hmm. of where the future will be. And uh, there were people predicting in the 60s and 70s that by the 90s, no humans would even have jobs anymore because robots would just make them completely obsolete by the 90s they predicted wow you know and uh i mean george jetson was supposed to be born like three or four years ago right so oh, was he really oh, yeah i think funny. his birthday is like in the 2020s lol man it's funny what our visions of the future look like and what how different the reality often is but I it's actually funny that you bring that up though because i just saw a movie called the creator which centers around that very thing um like about like an ai that like somebody designed an AI and they thought it would be like taking over the planet and things like that. And then there's like this whole, it's basically like an omnic crisis where the AI and like the simulants who are like more human-like AIs are like fighting for their freedoms because there's like the whole, the, it's, it's a big thing. It's basically an omnic crisis. I actually thoroughly enjoyed the movie. Um, it was kind of thinky. And I feel like there's a message there that maybe could have gone over my head. Like, I feel like there's some kind of like East and West parallel correlation like allegory going on but i just like the movie so you know if if that kind of ordeal is something that you're interested in i don't know how long how much longer it'll be in theaters because it was only like two show times when i went um oh r.i.p uh, yeah 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 uh oh just in chat said cyberpunk 1877 and yeah oh that's, <laughs> that's uh putting putting hard numbers on stuff is just really funny we could we could have a whole conversation <laughs> on on like all of the times that um, in, in fact or fiction or in earnest or in jest, uh, people put numbers on something like this and, and it was just completely, completely, uh, opposite the expectations, you know? I think um, that's why I like how Mega Man did like 20XX because that could be, we still have so many years before that's obsolete. <laughs> that's the way to do that. Yeah. Undertale did that at the beginning. It, it was like 1980X was, uh, when it's supposed to take place. Um, uh, speaking of hard numbers, though, my listen up is um, I was playing Titanfall the other week with our good friend Cam and um, some of, uh, you know, our mutual friends. Ray Apollo was there and then I met some of Cam's friends. Uh, we all played Titanfall together, Titanfall 2, because it's like this big resurgence happening. Uh, I guess they did like some kind of update to the game or something and everybody's coming back and the servers are like popping. And for the first time, because um, I streamed this because of course I did. And for the first time. Uh, I played through the campaign because I played through Titanfall 1 and I didn't get Titanfall 2 because I was on a budget and uh, I really wanted to get like the big collector's edition that came with like the 
three foot tall, like. Oh my gosh. I was Titan. on a budget and I wanted the max extra combo deluxe. Right. So I didn't buy it. Look, the first time I actually exerted like self-control. <laughs> now I just buy whatever $100 Founders Pack comes my way. Like it's fine. But you know, back then I had some restraint. Uh, so I didn't buy it. And now it's free or, you know, on Game Pass, which I found out I was paying doubly for because I guess you get the EA Pass if you have Game Pass Ultimate. Indeed. And EA lets you know that. I didn't know that. So I signed in to download the game and it was just, hey, you're like doubling up. You want to like, you want to like fix that? You want to like chill? I was like, yeah. I was like, yeah, I'll fix that. That's funny. That's I, That feels uncommon for them to be like, hey, we're just, we're just looking out for you. Yeah. For EA of all people. Like, we like taking your money, but like, you're maybe, can you maybe cancel your Xbox one and then just pay us? Maybe that's what they're saying. <laughs> but no, I, I heckin' canceled my EA one and I'm paying Xbox because it's better. So ha- hashtag game pass. Um, <laughs> Anyway, I, I started playing the game and I played through the campaign for the first time. And the day that we decided to do this together, uh, play Titanfall, was actually the main character's birthday. Oh, yeah? Yeah. You like load up the game and he's like, you, there's like the UI. He's like wearing this headset and it's like accessing vitals and like gives his full name, you know, his, his government name and his birthday. And I believe it was on the, what day was it? The 6th? I think it was the 6th, but it was October 6th. That was his birthday. And I was like, wow, we're literally playing this on his birthday. And I told Cam and he had like a good laugh about that too, because it wasn't planned at all. Or at least the way he said it made it sound like it wasn't planned. But I don't know, after I'm thinking about it now, maybe it could have been. All that to say, it got me curious about video game birthdays. How many video game birthdays like do we know? And one of the games that prominently features birthdays that I play is Animal Crossing. Mm -hmm. So I was like, I wonder who I share a birthday with in Animal Crossing. And there are two characters, Victoria and Philly, who are both born on July 11th. We share a birthday together. And I was born, this is actually really funny. I was born in the lunar calendar and the year of the horse, right? The year of the horse. The year of the horse. I'm, a, I'm the year of the horse. If you want to get real fancy with it, I'm a metal horse. Because there's like each year has like an animal and then like an element aligned to it. And if you want to get really fancy, I was born in the year of the golden horse. Mm. So I'm like the base. I'm basically like the best horse you can be y'all. I'm just saying, putting that out there. (laughs) Wow. I mean, surprising, surprising no one, obviously, but uh, (laughs) I say that because both of these characters, Victoria and Philly are horses. How crazy is that? And they're one of the only few characters that have like July 11th is one of the only few days that, animals have two like two characters have like there's one for every day of the year and then only some have two animals that have a birthday on that day right so that made me happy nice um i just thinking about video game birthdays and like looking up you know delving into like the birthday realm and finding out all the information i just i thought that that was cool so i i kind of wonder now who shares a birthday like i want y'all to look up your like forget your zodiac sign look up your animal crossing birthday your animal crossing <laughs> birthday that's great i mean you know the the like fun uh statistic it's like when you get like 50 people in a room or something there's uh there's like a very high chance of two of those people sharing a birthday you know even though they're 365 days in a year and all this stuff i'd have to look it up it's been a long time since i actually said those numbers out loud so oops but um i always thought that was such a neat you know it's like uh not a fallacy I forget, I forget what the word is there, but it's like, uh, it doesn't meet your expectations at all. You know, hmm. a lot of things are like that, huh? Um, yeah, especially now. Yeah, maybe I should look up, uh, 
birthdays up. You know, it's fun when when you uh, when you play the tabletop game Betrayal at the House on the Hill. When you pick up your character card thing, uh, it has a birthday on it, and you can use that or your own birthday when it says, "Hey, at the beginning of the game, uh, you figure out turn order by whoever has the closest upcoming birthday." And I feel like that's always like a fun um, kind of randomizer or just a moment to look around and kind of it's almost like an icebreaker hidden in the in the game to just be like, hey, yeah. what's your birthday? Of course, if you only play games like that at the holiday, then one person is probably going to win every time. <laughs> uh, and then you definitely go off the cards instead of the players. But uh, yeah, that's uh, that's fun. You know, we get, are getting in the holiday season. Maybe we'll pull that back around and be like, yo. Who's, who's got birthdays with the famous character? I mean, we could play that on like Tabletop Simulator or something. That would be a fun stream. That would be a fun stream. And that game rules. Uh, it's so good. It's so good. I Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, let's see if we can make that happen. Okay, well, let's uh, let's talk about some beta stuff, huh? Um, um, I don't know anything about that because I'm an alpha. <laughs> no, I'm just... <laughs> <laughs> imagine actually buying into ideology <laughs> oh my gosh <laughs> well so our topic today is uh is whether or not betas still make you feel special so sid you know a thing or two about betas um let's talk about our experiences with what we call betas and early access uh early access and uh we'll kind of we'll kind of start this conversation by getting into the definition or the lack of definition between these two things. You know, what did they used to mean? What do they mean today? But uh, let's start first with uh, your experiences with betas in the past. Um, what have you played? And, uh, you know, when you played them, what did it entail? So for me, like a beta, it's like, you know, they they have like a special date, right? They're just like, hey, this game is only going to be available from, you know, such and such date to such and such date. Come in and, and test out the game and you'll get like special feedback. You'll get, um, you know, interaction with some of the devs sometimes. And um, a game that really exemplifies this is, I think, Knockout City. Um, not only because it was just like an indie developer as well. So they were really receptive to the feedback, but they had multiple betas over multiple periods of time instead of just having like, I don't know, like a year-long early access or something, which really allowed them to fine-tune um, the game to, you know, their, not only their expectations, but something that the player base would enjoy, right? But then you also get stuff like, um, and this is really common for Nintendo Switch games, uh, like Splatoon, which had like the play, like the, what's it called? Test fire periods. Mm -hmm. So these are games which are unilateral, right? Um, you don't get to provide whatever feedback you have to the to the developers you just get to play what they have set on the table for you and kind of deal with it right mm -hmm. i mean you can go online and like be on twitter and be like wow this is sucky blah 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 you know it's fine do your keyboard warrior thing um or wow this is great you know it doesn't have to be negative in in most in most cases nintendo games don't have negative betas in my experience um are you are you biased or are they you know Listen, I'm the avatar of the four gaming nations. I, I I don't choose one over the other. I like all platforms equally. I just play Nintendo more. That's fair. <laughs> you you do play across the platforms more than I do. I am almost exclusively play uh, uh PC these days. Yeah. Um, barely even play my my PS5, and I haven't touched my Switch. That thing is always dusty now. Poor guy. Yeah, that's the same for my PS4. So yeah. I'm I'm in that boat with you. Yeah. Uh, Although with Film Stars coming out, which also did have a beta period okay. that I enjoyed, 
Um, that could change if I can get my hands on a PS5 somehow. Well, you know, um, similar to what you just described, uh, I didn't play in this, but Halo Infinite had uh, flights, they called them, which seemed to be a mixture of, hey, is this going to work? Like, is you know, is anything going to break? But also, um, how, are the servers going to hold up? I think more than anything, it was more about the servers. But uh, like you said, that wasn't really designed for feedback. That was just like, hey, is the structure going to fall apart the second we turn the lights on? Um, and that only lasted a few days, maybe a week, maybe. But I didn't participate in that. Uh, I only heard about it. Yeah. There was um, something like that for Pokemon Unite as well. I think they actually called it the server test. Like in, in like in the Japanese one, you could see like the label. And I think it said like, you know, Saba Testo, like in the Katakana uh, alphabet. You know, why so, make it complicated? Right. You know, I mean, they know what they want to do. So, I mean, just put it out there. So at least, you know, players will know what to expect. You know, mm -hmm. sometimes the, the window of expectation is like so blurry and we're just like, what are we doing here? Right. What, what, what's happening? I mean, especially nowadays, because players are so... I feel bad saying this, but a lot of players online, especially with like the review systems and stuff, are, it feels kind of like they're entitled. Like, yeah, they're 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 playing this game early access, and they they have all these expectations for what a beta should be, and then the instant those aren't met, bam, they go to the reviews, bam, they go to the discords, bam, they go to like Reddit, and it's just it's so sad to see the climate of of early access and beta like nowadays, you know. Indeed, uh, and it's not it's not every game, but you can certainly uh, anticipate which types of games with which types of player bases are going to act like that. Um, <laughs> you know, uh, we could, we could be snarky and name some of them, but uh, at the end of the day, I think it's a lot of uh, people who have only played really big AAA games uh, that don't know what development is like, don't have any experience in uh, a beta that's that has a content that's not ready for release yet, you know? Um, and unfortunately, those people can be very loud. It, it is especially frustrating when someone who does have a lot of influence can uh, use that influence in a, in a negative way, um, you know, where there could be an opportunity to show people a new game, but instead they jump in and they're like, man, this just ain't as good as the main game I play, which has been out for five years, <laughs> you know? It's like, well, of course it's not. Um, one game that I played the beta of probably 10 years ago, give or take, uh, maybe a little less than that, was uh, Elder Scrolls Online. I played a closed beta of that that lasted um, like three to five days or something. I was able to make a character and, and revisit it uh, uh, a few days after school, and then maybe, I, I think I want to say, maybe a Saturday and Sunday. Um, but there's always that moment. So Elder Scrolls Online is, of course, an MMO, so there's a certain special kind of energy that you get when you're in an environment like that where everyone can just run around this open world with their own avatars and spells and chat and all this stuff. Um, and and we talked long, long ago about uh, on this podcast about uh, kind of like the finality that some video games offer. And so like that moment that the text box appears that's like server shut down in 15 minutes. Ah! Everyone loses their minds <laughs> and they're just, everybody's running to the city. They're jumping, they're shooting off fireworks. They're doing whatever they can. Um, and, and those things are so exciting because you know that this beta test that you're in is going to end. And in that case, um, the, the character that you've been making over these days will be deleted because when the game eventually comes out, it will be a different version of the game, a, a more hopefully complete version. But you go into those betas knowing that it's, it's all temporary. 
you know, um, none of the stuff that you carry with you will will stay with you. And uh, I think that used to be the norm. Sometimes you still see that based on uh, the framework of an early access. But I, I think um, mo much, much more modern games, especially bigger games, will be like, hey, we're really trying to entice a lot of you to play this. So um, one of the the carrots we're going to dangle in front of your face is that um, anything you do today will carry over to your main story. Um, I think Baldur's Gate even was a game that had that, that said, hey, some stuff will uh, will carry over. But then there were some pretty game-breaking bugs that a few people experienced. So it seemed like general generally the recommendation um, was just start a, sef, uh, a fresh save file. And if I was in, my, in their shoes, that's what I would have done anyway. I would have said, you know, I want to see every little bit of this game that's new. I'm going to restart. Of course, not every game's like that. Um, so it's a, a different situation. But yeah, Elder Scrolls Online was was the last real beta that I can think of that I played personally. Um, but I really enjoyed it. It, it was uh, partially to, to test the servers, to just get a ton of people online, because um, they had two or three different betas. This was, I think they had three betas, and this was the second of three. Um, and each time, so this was important back in the day, each time they'd say, hey, we're going to do a beta. Who wants in? And it was a combination of who got in first, you know, who could click the link and sign up, uh, but also part lottery. So, you know, once once enough people had signed up, they would switch to a lottery system and you just have to have your name pulled. And um, a lot of times they would want such a huge number of people playing that most people would have their name pulled. It, it would be uncommon based on the circumstances for you to to submit, um, you know, to say that you wanted to join and not get in. But that would happen. So you did kind of feel exclusive when you got in. And and I always felt like I had an obligation. I'm like, well, my number came up, so I have to play. Likewise, like, you know, don't sign up for stuff if you can't make it. You know, don't enter a contest to win concert tickets if you can't go to the concert, you know. Uh, but that was a really fun thing. And it felt like I had an obligation to the developer. They let me play their thing early to give feedback. So that's exactly what I wanted to do. We found a couple uh, bugs in there. There was a very easy to use like bug reporting feature. And so it made me feel like I was really helping with development, you know, because um, you've got a game that big that uh, they they need help figuring that stuff out. Uh, I've got I've got a quote from Baldur's Gate. I want to read in a minute because I do want to circle back because there's a lot to talk about uh, with the early access there. Um, but what other uh, old school closed betas have we both played? Well, have we each played um, that fit kind of that old definition? You know, more closed, fewer people. It's all about feedback. You kind of feel like you are are helping build and develop this game or, you know, guide development. Right. Uh, I mean, that definition almost works for like, I guess, alphas now, right? Yeah. I, I feel like the the modern day beta of our time would be an alpha because like they're so much more intimate and and it's it's almost like the lottery system but in, like you i think it actually is mostly lottery system now uh for for alphas because everybody could just get into a beta now you could just watch watch twitch get a drop you know oh. you'll get get into the beta um and things like that but alphas those those are basically what we had um back like what you're describing but I, oh, gosh, I play so many betas like in the past. Like, you play so like, many betas. I play so many. 
but I feel like the last time I truly felt like I was in like a closed beta, like what you're describing is actually a Steam game called Monaco, What's Yours is Mine. Mm-hmm. It is a top-down heist game. Um, it's it's not pixelated, but it is pixelated, if that makes any sense. It's like... What is this game called? Monaco, like the city, colon, what's yours is mine. Back okay. then it was just called Monaco, but then, you know, they added the subtitle, I think, like in an... Uh, if it wasn't unreleased, it wasn't like in a major update. And for the record, I totally knew how to spell Monaco the city, because I definitely knew that was a city. Wait, did cool. I give myself away? <laughs> if you didn't, that's what the show's about, because, you know, we're always doing that edutainment. Where is Monaco? <laughs> well, because now I have to know. I actually don't know. Oh, geez. Okay, Mo- Monaco. Where are you at? Monaco is a sovereign city-state and microstate on the French Riviera, west of the Italian region, yada, yada, on the Mediterranean Sea. Gosh, that, that was, there are a lot of proper nouns in this... Uh, it is bordered by France to the north. Okay. So, well, I mean, that's a sovereign city. Because the, the game did take place across like a multitude of like that section of Europe. This sounds so. like a very interesting place to be. I'll tell you. Uh, well, there was a lot of stuff to steal. I could tell you that much. Like, <laughs> <laughs> it was, uh, I think, one of the earliest like exposures to like the heist genre that I can remember, right? Mm-hmm. And the way, this was so interesting, the way that they had you enter for this closed beta. So they had, this was back when like Facebook was like the prominent way to reach people, right? I think it was even back when instead of liking a post or a page, you became a fan. Do you remember that? No. Yeah. You just, you became a fan of a page. You didn't like it. Like if I were to go to like, you know, a game like Pokemon, I would go like their page, right? Mm -hmm. But back then it was become a fan. Become a fan. Right. It was so long ago. And the way that they did this is it was still a lottery system, but they would have you, they'd be like, if you want closed out or access to this closed beta, this is what you have to do. Like you didn't send in your email. You didn't like, you know, become a fan or anything. I mean, yes, become a fan, but they had you submit a creative writing excerpt in the comments. Uh, Right. Yeah. Naturally. And it was so, this is actually so fun to do. So you, what they would do is oh, here we go. choose choose one of the cler- the class characters because, you know, as a heist, you, you all had your roles. There was like the face, the charm, the the hacker, you know, all that. And uh, the one that I chose was the cleaner. And what the cleaner did um, was basically knock people out with chloroform so you could just bypass people. Well. <laughs> like, like uh, actually, so I think back then it was called the janitor. But then they changed it to cleaner. Uh, and I wrote a creative excerpt about the cleaner, you know? Creative writing was one of, like, my my sub-major, I guess? What do you call that in, in college? Like, it's not your major major, like, your main major, but it's, like, your... Um, gosh, it's been a long time since I thought about that. Yeah. Well, I mean, because... Someone out there is screaming at in us. graphic design, you know? So I like to say I got a degree a minor? in Photoshop. It's just a minor? A minor, maybe? Yeah, that's I, I guess so. Oh, yeah. yeah, so I minored in, in creative writing. So I was just like, <laughs> "You're like, what did I do again?" <laughs> I went to the comments and I wrote, uh, you know, an excerpt on, on the cleaner, and that's how I got in. And it was so much fun to do. Not only that, but then the people that were chosen were so passionate about the project because they like chose like the most 
creative writing, I guess you could say, uh, writers to get in there. And then once they got in there, we all provided our feedback. And I even found like a game breaking bug, like it broke the game. You could not play. And so you wrote a that, thousand word essay on how you would fix it. Only 500. No, <laughs> <laughs> but like all that to say, it was such an intimate experience that lasted for such a limited time that that's what I feel like encapsulates the betas of that time period. Mm-hmm. You don't get experiences like that with, with like major AAA like games anymore. Not that Monica was like a AAA game, um, but I mean, you were describing that experience with like Elder Scrolls, right? Which I also did play. Um, I played a bard and I remember, not a bard, but like I... I played as a bard. I role played as a bard. And one of the things I did was I would just go to like major places and like play my loot emote. Uh-huh. And then uh-huh. people would like come around and do their dance emotes and then go on their way. Like it was fun. It was fun to do. I love that. But so, it, the kind of those, those moments, uh, Lizzie plays Elder Scrolls on a regular basis. And uh, she, in fact, she just unlocked something cool the other day. Uh, we even tried, there was something extra cool. And I was like, oh, we, we should just spend money. I was like, can I just gift this to you because i thought about getting on there and trying to just buy it for her while she wasn't home um but it actually required a special currency that you can only get if you buy like a ton of loot boxes and i'm like man i just wanted to buy the thing whatever uh, this is not really what i came here to talk about but um that did happen the other day but she has an anime betrayals for real oh my gosh there are lots of emotes in there uh that are seasonal too the halloween ones happening right now are really cool um and so, you know, even when we're playing Baldur's Gate 3, you can you can pull out, uh, you know, our, our loot. Uh, he's got a drum. He's got a flute. Um, and he's and uh, yeah. And, and so it's just super fun to kind of create your own ambiance to be in there and be like, hey, I'm playing my instrument. Somebody get over here. And then somebody walks <laughs> up, you know, and then suddenly you got the whole band playing, especially in that in Elder Scrolls. All you have to do is type like slash flute, I think. Um, at any time you could pull out any of the preset instruments because that was another thing i remember doing right before the clock went up uh when when it was like hey you got 15 minutes till the end of the world what are you gonna do and it's like all right somebody come up on this hill and play uh music with me yeah. play green sleeves been old <laughs> <laughs> not again <laughs> but yeah it is like that so much you know it's actually really funny so about fun. participating in that uh the monaco one is that they put my name in the credits Okay. And that's something, that's yeah, like, cool. not like my full government name too. So it's not like Coromon where like my hand, it's like my handle, like on the Wikipedia, like this, you know, contribution was provided by at the time, Sovereign Sid. Mm-hmm. Like, no, they put my full government name in there. Uh, so that was really neat. Like if you, if you Google my name, if you know my name, if you Google it, it's going to be one of the results still. And I can't remember how long that's ago cool. that was. So that's there forever. And that's something that betas don't really have anymore either is like those really lasting mm-hmm moments and 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 memories i mean now you can get like a profile picture or like a special title or something like a player card that you can carry over or like you said you might have data that carries over and things like that i think but part of you don't get like permanent stuff like a like physical tangible things like a pin like an enamel pin or like a postcard or like a poster like something like that those don't really kind of as far as i know i mean i could be wrong but i haven't seen anything certainly don't hear more yeah 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 well, because, uh, yeah, you'd have in, in like the early days of indie games, you'd have, uh, I believe that The Binding of Isaac has a lot of that stuff. And maybe Meat Boy does. I can't remember. I haven't seen the end of either of those games. But, um, you know. Pe- I think the last game that I remember having like tangible stuff like that, that you're saying is Knockout City. Like I have like a pin 
collection back there oh, yeah. from some things that they did. That they did. You but, know, yeah, I think you're right. Totally different scenario, but uh, similar vibe when that legendary Elden Ring character, uh, let me solo her, got the actual sword in the mail you know so cool. from from software like that stuff you're just like okay that's amazing like that's super memorable uh of course that is almost extra special because that happened after release that this person just you know who is anonymous to the rest of the world uh just by their username um had such an impact that they were like okay this person's part of the zeitgeist we got to send them something you know but i feel like there used to be so much smaller teams and like qa testing was a whole lot different than it is now in, in a lot of ways, um, you know, because you'll have like internal, uh, what is it? Quality assurance, QA testing. I think so. Yeah, um, yeah. that does all sorts of different things depending on the size and scope of the game and the company you're working for. Um, but then, uh, you've got the like early access beta players who can sometimes fill that role. Sometimes there's a lot of overlap. Sometimes it's one or the other. Uh, you know, there, there won't be a lot of QA like there won't be a whole team of QA testers. They'll just make sure that it can get out the door and make sure the players like it, right? Like get it available to people like you had said, who care a whole lot, who can get their hands on it and confirm this is actually fun because you don't want to spend a ton of time developing a game that plays okay, but is actually not very fun to play. Um, you know, so, so being included in that conversation feels so special and then getting credited on it, you know, you can look back and say that you had uh, a big role in that. Um, okay, I mentioned that I wanted to say this earlier because I think this very succinctly shows kind of what early access can mean here. I pulled this from uh, Baldur's Gate 3 FAQ. It is, uh, it's from Steam. This is from, shoot, about three years ago. But uh, they said, why are we doing early access? This is Larian Studios. They said, we've learned that working directly with our players during development makes our games better. RPGs this large with so many permutations thrive from feedback as new features and fixes are incrementally added to the game. Early access gives uh, players a chance to participate in development, and it gives us an opportunity to explore different game ideas with a live community. We want to learn how you play the game and use that to make it a better experience for everyone. So uh, that was like three years ago. The... Baldur's Gate 3 Early Access, which, as far as I know, lasted from, um, I had it written here, October 6th of 2020, so three years ago, through the release. As far as I know, Early Access was basically playable the entire time during that time. Chat, please correct me if I'm wrong. Um, what they continued to say, the FAQ is, was really interesting to read. Um, they were like, we expect that this Early Access period will last uh, you know, at least, at least a year or so. And, you know, a lot happened between now and then the game went underwent a lot of changes based on feedback. Uh, and in fact, the CEO of Larian, uh, said in an interview that the earliest iterations of the game really weren't very good at all. That, uh, players were like, this actually is not, that's not that fun. Like, this isn't really a game I want to pay $60 for, which they already did pay $60 for because that's how oh, you no. got early access. So uh, Larian said, okay, we're going to we're gonna make these changes based on your feedback and, and we're going to turn it into the game that you want to play. And they did. So it took them three years, you know, working through COVID and all that to um, have their release uh, in August, uh, August slash September of this year, depending on your platform. 
but now it's in a great place. Uh, I'm happy to announce that after 60 hours, I believe we are finished with Act 1. Uh, oh my gosh. Um, in our co-op playthrough. <laughs> um, we were almost done and Odysseus was like, uh, you know, there, there is one more place we could go. So then we spent the rest of our like seven hour session in this crazy huge place that it's insane to me was totally optional. In fact, the place we were in before we even got to that place was also optional and we spent like six hours in it. it that game is just massive. Um, wow, jeez. Yeah, and a lot of this act one that we're you know, just wrapping up uh, was available in early access. Not everything, but most of what early access was was this first act in air quotations, um, that, that we're about to be done with. So the early access portion was huge and we still have so much game ahead of us. Um, you know, whether it'll take us 60 hours times three to get through all three acts is to be determined, but, um, but they, like they said, they said, uh, with RPGs this large, with so many permutations, um, they thrive from feedback and incremental additions to the game. And a hundred percent, uh, a conversation for another time would be, uh, would a game like Starfield or even like Redfall have benefited from a long early access period uh, of something like that? You know, you, you have um, a game like Starfield that uses what I would call the modern version of early access, even though they have multiple definitions at the same time. Bear with me. The Starfield version of early access is that you pay extra money or you pay the full price ahead of time or maybe a collector's edition to unlock the game seven days early. Starfield was seven days, uh, seven days early. Call of Duty uh, did something. I don't know which game it was, but I know somebody out there does. Uh, was it's, I mean, this is a similar business model that I actually like that says, hey, if you like this game enough, you're not getting, you're not going to be more powerful at the game. Like if you're playing a multiplayer game, you're not going to be better um, maybe you'll have some cool skins and stuff, but this really just says you like the game enough that you want to be on the bleeding edge of, 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 you know, this 1.0 release. And so I'm fine with that. I think that's a great carrot on the stick to, uh, entice people to pay for a collector's edition or, or whatever, you know? Um, cause it's, it's not like, it's not like it's DLC or, you know, it's not like they're, they're just gating the real game behind the extra paid content because i didn't pay for starfield i got it on game pass and i'm happy i did i'm glad i did not pay 60 dollars or 70 dollars for seven days quote unquote early access because that version of early access was not looking for players feedback which is okay like i'm not trying to say that one is inherently better than the other they're two different things but they starfield wasn't looking for my feedback their game was done already they just wanted to give people an opportunity to uh feel special if they, you know, paid extra money to be part of kind of the elite crew, so to speak, to say, hey, maybe this is the one full price game you're going to buy this year. Go big or go home, you know, pay this and, and you'll get seven days early access. Um, You know, could Starfield have, have spent some more time in the oven? Sure, but they'll probably be developing it for the next 10 years. So in another way, you could say that like same with Skyrim, that any any version of that game before the 10 year anniversary in a, uh, edition was basically just a long early access period. You know, you paid full price for the game and and you got the game, but the best version of it came out after lots and lots of player feedback and further development uh, with actual additional brand new content and all this stuff. 
it's easy to be really snarky in this conversation and try not to actually be snarky. <laughs> uh, but it is funny how, how this definition has, has changed so dramatically. So talked about Baldur's Gate. I still think it's funny that they were like, yeah, we'll probably be doing this for a year or so. And then three years later, they're like, actually, now we're ready to reveal our final form. And I think that was the best move, you know? Um, and so I've jumped in here at any time because I can keep talking. Uh, no, you're fine. Cool. No, I'm just, I'm thoroughly enjoying, like, literally just listening to your perspective on this because I was left in the dark, the dark for so long about, first of all, the act one thing. And what I was thinking was that their one year estimation into a three year actuation was like the perfect parallel between oh yeah we're just gonna get to we're gonna do Baldur's Gate 3 it's gonna be fine <laughs> like it's fine act one's great we're good we're good and then it's just like three years later and we're now almost done we're just wrapping up act one <laughs> I and swear. I swear just... <laughs> no this time for real for real man for sure like what a great parallel there um yeah because there there is so much game and as a developer I feel I feel like I'd be so overwhelmed to just you know especially under crunch which is so rampant in the games industry to produce this product that really just needs a long time to cook you don't need to turn up the heat it just needs to bake for longer that's it uh and and that's what we got here so we got Baldur's gate 3 game rules um you know but uh well in the matter of like modern quote-unquote uh early access games like starfield where you get like the early access early on like you know a couple of days later mm -hmm. there's it's like a double-edged sword because if you get that on digital you know great cool fine you are definitely guaranteed that early access like gate pass you're, you're going to be playing the game earlier than anyone else mm -hmm. but like if you do it for like a physical edition like say on a console or like some kind of collector's edition and stuff there's a lot of instances where you know depending on where you order from you might not get that until after the game releases. Dude, so, that happened to a yeah. bunch of people. I mean, that happened to Vilos with Starfield. He paid for the extra special edition, and which was supposed to give him seven days early access. And it arrived like nine days after he was supposed to have it. Like, yikes. Yeah. Oh, boy. Yeah. That was th Those were dark days. <laughs> <laughs> That's because there's no stars. He didn't have any stars. That's right. His field, his field was empty. He was starless. Starless. <laughs> um, but then, I mean, like, I I can't really, like, put a, a peg in. Like, I'm trying to word, figure out how to word this. Like, with modern games that do do that, but don't have physical things, I don't think, like, for instance, Mortal Kombat had an early access period, but I don't think that they had, like, physical, like, tangible mail to you stuff they had like extra skins and stuff and i think the same thing happened with like injustice as well you could get like uh, early access and you'll get like special skins and shaders for those skins and things like that um mortal kombat had a traditional beta period it was like three days they were like tell us what you think of the game you know does it work how's it work are there bugs mm -hmm. i mean there's still bugs i mean that was one of the biggest things that was going around the other week right it was like this player one port priority bug um but you know at the time they were getting the feedback and all that whatnot that was a traditional beta period like we were talking about earlier and then um like five days before the game released you could like if you got like the ultimate edition or whatever they called it um you could play it like five days before the actual release of the game in september and you know you know bob's your uncle and so you what? don't really bob's your uncle what are you saying bob's your uncle you've never heard that before i don't think so it's like a i'm not actually like it's an idiom that means you know like there you have it right 
Um, the whole thing is Bob's your uncle, Fanny's your aunt. And I think it comes from like across the pond, quote unquote, as it were, like, you know, Britain land. Uh, <laughs> right, right. So I mean, I guess it makes sense. Bob's your uncle is a weird American idiom to have, right? <laughs> there are a lot of idioms are weird. Idioms are pretty weird. Uh, but I got to look that up. Bob's your uncle. All right, I'm putting that in the bank. Oh, you know, I hope it doesn't have like problematic origins, like a lot of idioms that we used to date to. <laughs> well, just, you know, the stats would say it probably does. Uh, probably does. But, but we're going to, you know, we'll look it up. We'll we're reclaiming our... it. We're fine. Yeah, it's do fine. We're, we'll be fine. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Um, uh, Lord Chrome in chat says, uh, my buddy bought the special Spider-Man edition with a console and Sony canceled his pre-ordered days before release. I saw that. I know who's ta who's talking about that. I do, too. Is painful um yeah you know so th that's a problem with distribution but that problem wouldn't have even happened if the whole point wasn't you pay extra extra not the same even but extra to get the special version and not only does it not come early in in his case it didn't come at all uh with no sort and of I don't like think i got refunded i don't think like i think that money's just gone right well even if it's not like he lost more than just the money that he would have spent on the game. Like now he has to go through the effort to do this other stuff. But since it's such a big game, I mean, fat chance that Sony's going to be like, Hey, here's a $10 gift card. We're sorry about <laughs> messing this up. You know, um, here comes the wall of text. <laughs> yeah. 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 <laughs> right. Here's a JPEG directly in your email inbox. Uh, yeah. And he probably took time. Yeah. There were people, I think Vilos was one of the people who took time off to play Starfield and the game didn't arrive. So, he just had two days off or however many, you know, where he was just like, welp, totally wasted. And I had considered taking time off for Starfield, um, you know, so it does have an impact on people's lives just beyond, um, you know, inconvenience. But I digress. Uh, but you're right. Yeah. When there's like some special, usually you'll get a bundle that has, uh, well, actually, you know, I'll point at uh, Endless Dungeon. Gosh, I wrote a two here because we're talking about. I'm going to talk about Darkest Dungeon 2. This is Endless Dungeon. It's confusing. Uh, Endless Dungeon is a game that just came out. Uh, its full release happened like uh, last week. I want to say two weeks ago, maybe. And uh, I looked up the timeline on this. So this one is like a great example of a game that has all of the versions of what we have described as a beta uh, or early access. So um, Endless Dungeon just came out. It said, uh, reading online, it said that there was an open beta, an actual open beta, uh, last November, November of 2022. So that came out, uh, a bunch of people played it. I thought that was, I mean, just reading about it, it seems like a great marketing ploy to be like, hey, come like test drive our game. So maybe you'll buy it when it comes out, but more importantly, you'll know about it. Like it'll be something that you're aware of out in the world. So people play this open beta, uh, last a week. And then, uh, in the following January, which would have been January of this year, they had a 12-day, uh, what did they call it? I think they called this an early access period. So this was for people who, who bought the special last, uh, last wish edition of the game. So these are the people, I couldn't find a price tag on this, but the base game is $30. I imagine that this, this bundle was either 50 or $60, but, uh, this bundle- Well, if it's not a hundred, I'm not buying it. <laughs> yeah, right. You're like, I'm not even interested. <laughs> The, the entire bundle came with um, the 12-day early access period that I mentioned. Uh, it got access to a closed beta that I couldn't seem to figure out when that happened, but it was a proper closed beta that happened sometime in the past 10 months. Um, 
and then when the full release came out uh these people who who paid for this extra edition got two days to play before everybody else which again i think is great as long as it's they can actually play unlike those other stories um and then uh they additionally this is all in the same bundle uh got a the original soundtrack like they own it um the, an art book and they got some in-game skins so that sounds like a fun bundle you you got two extra times well technically three extra times to play before everyone else without even having to sign up because there was that open beta so this, this game had an open beta and then a short early access period then it had a closed beta and then it had a two-day also called early access period so this game endless dungeon had it all and looking at this is a it, it's a nice you know wrapped in a little bot or in a bow wrapped with a oh gosh in a box wrapped with a bow i can't even say my metaphors um it's a nice way to look at this conversation because it takes each piece of what we've seen to define these things over the past 10 20 years and it has them all for one game if you want to be more confused uh this game is not a sequel but it's uh endless dungeon is based off of the devs previous game called dungeon of the endless so yeah we're uh really we're getting in the weeds here but uh uh the game's cool by the way we checked it out it's 30 dollars, i think on every platform doesn't have cross play um but it's a pretty cool game it's three player uh so endless dungeon seems cool they they had all of these opportunities to take feedback from people across all these iterations of the game i know that uh one of our community members uh mr jerp had uh played one of the previous betas i think the open beta because i'm pretty sure he hadn't purchased the game I believe he played the open beta a year ago and he was asking us about some of the uh, mechanics in there which are now very different and good thing um but he was like yeah i don't know they they had you know these turrets that you put down were really squishy and it seemed like a waste of time and it doesn't feel like that anymore based on what we played but i un understand where his frustrations would have been because if if that's how it would have been like during the 1.0 release i would have been pretty frustrated because yeah, i could see where like i could easily imagine where that game was before based on what he was telling us um and i'm glad that they changed that before the 1.0 release because uh, a lot of games come out 1.0 you know everybody plays it for the first time ever and stuff's broken and a lot of people will be like hey refund this game or i you know i played for a few days and i'm never coming back to it and when you have a chance to fix your game based on feedback beforehand everyone's happier everyone's happier so i'm really glad uh that that game has been able to use that cycle that it's chosen um to see some success and the fact that it's on every platform every major platform on day one is great uh there's so many games that we recommend here in our community that are only for playstation or only for nintendo switch uh so even though this doesn't yet have cross uh cross play and cross progression uh they said it will but i i'll be excited to tell you some more about that game next week but yeah that's endless dungeon i thought it was just a a great nice example of how this can go well you know i think they just nailed it for how how to use um a beta and early access both for feedback for marketing um and making everybody happy in the end uh, this is a game um i would have considered if i had been super excited about it a year ago i would have considered buying the special edition with the art book and soundtrack and stuff pretty cool yeah i saw you guys playing that in discord i was just like oh my gosh 
I want to play. Well, you know, I don't have it though. Uh, well, we had just. I will be getting it though. Uh, good to hear. We had just been playing on last week's show. We, uh, you, Vilas, and I played uh, from space, which is also a twin stick shooter. They're both twin stick isometric shooters. Um, they they both have different strengths. I wouldn't say that. I mean, I think I I think I liked Endless Dungeon better, but I don't think I enjoy I enjoyed both of them, and I don't think it's like a an either or situation. Yeah, I liked From Space a lot. It's just that the onboarding was kind of confusing, and like the the first time we played, like the first level, it was really frustrating because we didn't know what was going on and how to do stuff. But once we got the hang of it, I think it was a lot more fun, and I think that kind of tracks with our our, our record too because. We didn't have a lot of fun playing gang beasts, but boy, did we have fun playing party animals. Yes, <laughs> totally. You know, and and even with, uh, I hadn't thought of From Space in the context of this conversation, but while we were playing that last week, we were trying to look up information about it and we just couldn't find it, you know? And I would say that that's another benefit of having some sort of early access period because when people are able to spend time on your game, they can build up a Wikipedia for it or a guide or anything. Where like when we were playing, there were items and stats that we had no clear definition of. And when we went looking for the answers, they didn't exist. There were not clear answers. We never found the answers uh, to some of that stuff on the internet. And on one hand, it's kind of exciting because that doesn't happen very often. Or you're like, wow, this this game is like low key. Like <laughs> there are not a lot of people who've played this before. But on the other hand, um, for people who might not be as patient as us, uh, that's not so charming. It's like, hey game i need you to tell me what you're doing you're letting me down by not defining what this is you know by not answering my question um but that's where the players can kind of fill that gap especially the ones who are passionate constructive and love doing that um so yeah maybe maybe from space really just could have used a, a better early access period or any it seemed i mean there was some sort of uh people definitely played it before the 1.0 or no, no no i think we determined that it was out on another platform I don't know. It's all murky. It really is. I mean, it seems like a an imported mobile game, to be honest. It kind of does kind of feel that way to me. Like, you could definitely play it, like, on a mobile. Totally. And it feels like the UI is mobile friendly. Mm -hmm. And uh, the tooltips are designed to be read in such a way that, like, I think translates well to mobile. So it could be one yeah. of those things, you know. But, I mean, definitely it needs some information out there because that was frustrating trying to figure out anything. And that's what I like about what, like, what you said. When we get all of this stuff like all this time in the world to like play the game and learn together. I think that's really cool, especially in like such a formulative state where everything is so kind, like what's the word, uh, tumultuous, things could just change at the drop of a hat. Mm -hmm. So getting that information out there as soon as possible, even when it has the ability to change quickly, just that education alone, I think helps get players involved. Like right now I'm playing a game called Battle Crash, which I'll be playing later on stream today. And um, there's one person right now who is devoting their time to making the wiki. There's like, it, there's no information right now uh, to have the wiki. Um, and I remember when I was in all of the multiple tests that I did for Knockout City, um, contributing to their wiki as well. And I could have done this in a better way, but what I decided to do, because I like to do this in every game that has fashion and clothes and items is buy all the fashion and clothes and items. That way I could use like my fancy graphics card with its high resolution and whatnot <laughs> to upload like the high def resolutions, quote unquote, like not a screenshot of, you know, like I'm not taking a picture with my phone or just like screen capturing and stuff. I'm taking the raw image from the game with like, you know, my GeForce NVIDIA and then 
putting that image, sending the image to them so that they could have it for the weekend stuff. However, that required buying freemium currency. So I invested a lot of money into that game because I think I bought everything that came out every day in the store for like the first. Oh, just everything? Is that all? Three seasons. <laughs> oh, that's like, a lot. And that was in Knockout City? Knockout City, yeah. And I, and I still didn't become a partner for that game. I'm so sad. I invested so much money in time. You know what? Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> I paid my taxes and I should be in this game. At least a I name in the credits. Manager. How dare you? <laughs> <laughs> yes, put me in the credits somewhere. You know, Monaco. How you doing? <laughs> uh, you know the so like the other other another game I had on here, or actually I I would back it up a step. Um, another game that we played briefly before the tragic news came out that this game is like not going to be around anymore is Mythforce. Uh, we tried to play on Steam Next Fest a beta, no, a demo of Mythforce, and so to me that game wasn't even out yet because I'm playing a demo, right? But turns out that game actually had been fully out on the Epic Game Store for a while. And I believe it was like $60. Whatever price it was, it was like definitely more than I would have paid. But that was confusing because it's like this game actually was out this whole time. I just never heard of it. And it was exclusive to a different platform until today. So, you know, I question what they internally defined the Epic Game Store version of the game to be. Was that basically an early access period? Did anybody who bought that game at full price at $60, were they basically just a, a pay-to-play tester, you know? Yeah. It uh, was $30, by the way, on Epic. Was it $30? I, I could have sworn just, it was I just, more. I just looked it up. Well, because I would... I think it's $30 now, but oh, yeah. I think when we looked it up, when only the demo was out, I remember being shocked. Because I... I could pay $30 for that game. But I remember being shocked at how expensive it was on the Epic Game Store, where I was like, "That there's no way that's right kind of thing. Because um, the game is fun, but I mean, it was, you know, $60 is a lot of money. Um, either way, uh, that was just an interesting thing where I'm like, huh, is this game out or not? You know, or like playing something that I, I, I'm under the impression that it's not even released yet. And someone's like, oh yeah, I played that eight months ago on a different platform. I'm like, what? Then what am I doing? The game didn't really tell me that that's what was going on. Like, it almost feels disingenuous because I want I want to feel like I'm a part of the community building it, you know? So when I don't know that there's a different version of the game out, it's not like most, a lot of players wouldn't care. But if I want to feel special in the context of our conversation, um, I really want to feel like my feedback matters and i felt like that just was a missed opportunity in that case um you know and lots of studios have different goals different amounts of resources so that stuff's not you know either even gathering feedback can be expensive and difficult uh it's a lot easier said than done but uh another game that rewarded my feedback was darkest dungeon 2 but the tricky thing is here is that I enjoyed giving my feedback on this. Early Access came out like a year or a year and a half before the full release, which was maybe last year. I don't know. Time's weird. I didn't look it up. But uh, but I was playing that game for a long time before the 1.0 release came out. I intentionally even avoided playing it because I didn't want to make too much progress in case things changed. And change they did. So uh, by the time the 1.0 release came out, the game was very different in a lot of ways where as I was playing, I was like, you know what? I loved Darkest Dungeon 1 and I 
have, you know, as I'm playing it, I'm like, and I'm enjoying my time with this early access on the Epic Game Store of Darkest Dungeon 2. But to my friends, I, as I'm playing it, I'm like, if if you're not sure that you're going to like this, don't don't buy it yet. Like, the game's not out yet. And generally speaking, I don't think people should pre-order. Like, generally speaking, don't pre-order a game that's not out yet because you, you're paying for a product you haven't seen. And, you know, I've talked at length that I think if you buy a pre-order, you're giving up your ability to really be mad about the quality of the game that you get. That's an oversimplification of my opinion. But when you pre-order a game, you're giving a developer a free pass to that you'll just accept whatever they give you because you already paid for it. So with early access, uh, which I paid, I paid $20 full game price uh, for, for Darkest Dungeon. I played it for a while. I happily gave my feedback because some things were broken. Some things just weren't very fun. Some things were very confusing. Um, and occasionally, you know, some stuff can be confusing in the full release, but it's very different now. And it continues to really listen to its players' feedback every time they come out with a new patch. Uh, the feedback's been great. You know, we could do a whole episode on great feedback uh, and how games have changed uh, over the over time. Um, you know, when I was thinking of uh, is it Knockout City is, went through something right where it's either like not being supported anymore. Like, am I making this up? Like, didn't something happen? No, um, they basically shuttered the game because like they turned they're not supporting it anymore. Like the, the servers are offline and everything like it's completely done. I think this is the only instance in which you could use the term dead game. Because yeah. I mean, it's no longer live. However, um, you know the the community did come back and say, "Hey, now we have community driven servers." You know, they they're community dedicated. Um, you just have to find a link somewhere. Which Knockout City, the official Twitter, did share. So if you're still interested in playing the game, you can go to their Twitter and um, download the community client and continue to play the game. However, That's cool. the studios, Bellin Studios, the official you know developers of the game, um, do not support it like anymore like their servers their dedicated servers are like offline you can no longer use your information um on that you guarded on those servers to like log in mm -hmm. well that's interesting what, what's the opposite of early access like post-mortem access <laughs> you know that's a good question uh, <laughs> like because <laughs> what would this be right it was almost like when the wow server is uh you know you had vanilla wow and then you had the expansion and you could no longer play vanilla wow so people made their own servers where you could of course since then now wow classic exists so you know it's a moot point but you know it is funny playing like a version of a game that just doesn't exist in the wild anymore like officially because uh, i really wanted Honestly, to play knockout city i kind of missed my opportunity you know no you could just do the do the late the late access i guess actually you know considering late is a term for you know the passed on yeah late access i think could work here as a direct opposite to early access. It's late access. It's a dead game. All so. right, community night. We're, we're playing some late access knockout city. <laughs> Man, uh, well, that what a, what an interesting situation. Um, well, so like with with uh, Darkest Dungeon, I played it for a long time, and then the 1.0 came out, and it was better. Um, the quality was good. Yada yada yada. I will say my perspective on the risk of a studio taking that route. Yes, their game's much better. I'm very glad they did it. I think if they hadn't done that, their game might not have been very good when it fully released. It probably would have had bad reviews. But that's not what happened. And when it had its full release, uh, a bunch of places, including IGN, gave it like a uh, a nine, you know, eights and nines out of 10. That's really good. Uh, so, so good for them. I think that was a good decision. But 
the other side of this is that when I would tell people, oh, you know, the Darkest Dungeon full release just came out, people would, would respond with, well, didn't that come out like ages ago? And the answer is kind of, yeah. You know, so like when you have this long, especially continuous early access period, it can be, it, it seems like it's tough from a marketing standpoint to let people know that this one is different. Like, no, this is the real release. That was the pre-release. Okay, sure. You know, no. All right, Grandma, let's get you to bed. <laughs> yeah, right. No, this is the Wii U. It's different. Uh, <laughs> you know, so it is, there is like a risk to it. There are pros and cons. And I think that's one of the reasons why, I mean, one of many reasons why um, every studio doesn't do this. But I think about that a lot where when I did tell people I was excited about Darkest Dungeon 2, they were confused when I would say that, like, you know, paraphrasing here, that it just came out. Uh, because it's like, but how did it just come out? I mean, I thought Baldur's Gate 3 was out, like, two years ago. I thought it was fully released because I saw so many people playing the early access, like, streaming it. And every time I watched them, everybody's characters looked different. They were always in different areas and stuff. And so, like, I was like, oh, wow, there's a ton of game here. The game must be out. So when um, when people were excited about it, I was just really confused at why you were excited about a game that came out like two years ago. And they're like, no, no, it hasn't actually released yet. I'm like, what are you talking about? You know, but it, it's a funny, it's a funny conversation. And you remember the cycle, yeah? Uh, where- we, I try not to. We played a version of that game that was pretty cool, you know? And then they completely overhauled the game and said- now this game is like Escape from Tarkov. It is a completely different game from what you played before. Not knocking Tarkov. Plenty of people liked the new version of the cycle. But here at Party Invite, we really did not like the no. cycle in its final iteration. And then it got shut down. Not enough people played it. Because when it switched uh, to the new version, some people came back and played like we did. And some new people played and gave it scathing reviews based on stuff just not being where it needed to be. And so the game failed because it couldn't overcome those initial bad reviews on its quote-unquote 1.0 release, even though that game was fun and playable like a year beforehand, like at least. Yeah, and I do wonder like what kind of feedback led them, if any feedback at all, or maybe it was just like an executive decision, led them to change the game so drastically because the cycle and the cycle frontier, which is what it became after they made the change, are like two different games. It's not even like, the two sides of a different coin affair it was they were literally two different games yeah so i mean if they wanted to go the tarkov route why not keep the cycle the cycle and then you know use whatever they learned from the cycle to make a spiritual successor to the cycle which would then be the cycle frontier and then maybe by that point they would have seen enough homework <clears throat> to <laughs> like maybe iterate on it in a better fashion you know Right. Uh, well, I tell you what, um, there's a lot of stuff we could talk about. I know we've got some more stuff written down here and, and uh, Odysseus brings up a good one in chat uh, that I want to mention. But uh, let's make sure to hit some of these other things before we wrap up here, because we have been talking for a little bit, but there's so I mean, this is a fun conversation. We, we talk about yeah. this off off uh, stream a lot because um, you play so many betas in all their different forms. Um, and a lot of us in here just play a lot of things that are in what I would lovingly call an unstable condition, you know, stuff that's not really, you know, well, okay. So the, the one that uh, Odysseus here in, in chat mentioned, 
uh, Odysseus and a bunch of us play a lot of survival games that are in early access. Seven Days to Die has been out for like seven years. I think it's now in beta. I think it just hit beta in the last like year, but it's been in alpha for like six years. What does that even mean? Really uh, dangerous. <laughs> yeah, uh, Star Citizen. Uh, or Star Citizen, thank you. Like, That's what? the right one. Well, both of them. Elite Dangerous was, was kind of a similar situation, especially since they're both space like space sims. Um, and Seven Days to Die and, and Project Zomboid, both zombie games, both in early access of varying versions forever. Like Zomboid is still, I don't know, like, at a certain point, is it even worth saying you hit a 1.0? I don't even think it would be. Because if the whole purpose, like from a philosophical standpoint, if the whole purpose is that you're always, you're constantly developing the game based on player feedback, then then why even call it anything else? Because if it's constantly in a state of change and the, the developers embrace that like they do with Seven Days and Zomboid, then what does releasing a 1.0 even mean, you know? Uh, yeah, because at that point, it's just going to be like 1.0 and then 1.1 and then 1.13 and then 1.2. And like, and then it's almost Overwatch it's 2. Almost like they, uh, oh, no, you know, no, 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 no. It's like, <laughs> which version? The only one of these exists now and it just overwrote the other one, kind of like uh, the cycle. It's very different situations, but, um, you know, I mean, kind of, two, kind of like that, too, I feel. I haven't oh, played enough of right. either one to know, but like to know for sure like what are different between the two iterations. But from what I've seen feedback wise, it's just enough to cause concern among the esports <laughs> industry. Yeah. So we'll see how it plays out. But I mean, stack is like slapping a two on something at this point is I don't know what that means anymore. Well, but like, we're slapping a one. To slap a one yeah, on yeah, yeah. you know? It's just the same thing. It's like, at a certain point, um, what is the significance of it? And I think I think it, the, the bigger the company, the more complicated that question is. So um, with, with Overwatch and The Cycle, both of them had a lot of money behind them. They're both AAA titles, or at least The Cycle was portraying itself as a AAA game. Um, it sounded like a AAA pla- platform, I guess. Would you call Epic that? Oh, uh, well, well, I mean, Epic has tons of indies too. I, I don't know if I could say, that's like saying if, you know, like, what is Valve? You know, I guess yeah. they're AAA, but. This is a topic they we also, later. Yeah, because. I, I think that's a good. <laughs> they also make like The Lab on VR, which seems indie AF. Um, but which yeah. Which is very fun, by the way. It is very fun. The Longbow Game rules. Uh, but yeah, there's a, there's a lot going on there. Uh, but like when there's smaller companies like these survival game devs zomboid and uh seven days to die you know they don't seem to care about coming out with a 1.0 release and i think that's probably the right move because who cares because you know because it, with them making a 1.0 release is that going to change their reputation with people are suddenly uh, a lot of people going to discover the game the moment they flip the switch that says hey <laughs> add a 1.0 to the end of our name you know in some cases maybe uh i'm not a marketing expert but uh but with a game like that, I would assume, no. This game's been out for seven years already. Odysseus says uh, in uh, in September, they came out with Alpha 21, the 21st version of the game. So well, shoot, I, maybe <laughs> they'll finally get to beta at like the 26. They'll go through all 26 iterations, yep. like the alpha, but, and then there's the beta, beta one, and then 26 <laughs> more. So it's, I love it. 
I think it's I think a super meta approach. I think the Zomboid yeah, is at like fourteen or something. So that's the rule. Once you you know you just you get to the end and you circle back and you're like, okay, we got to make the number go up now. Um, let's see. You've got a couple games that you haven't mentioned on here. I think I've pretty much spoken my piece on uh, all the games that I wanted to. Um, you've got a couple on here. You've got the finals. You've got uh, Naraka Blade Point. You want to talk yeah, about those? I will, but uh, I did want to mention uh, since we were talking about the ones that like last forever. Uh, how the first game when you when we talked about this topic, uh, like we were like talking about this topic when we wanted to do it, and we're just like, okay, well, what games did we not realize were out because they've been out, quote unquote, for like the last ever? The very first one that came to mind for me was Splitgate, mm-hmm. and people when that game first was announced coming out literally it was like a meme on like the tweet it was just like okay wasn't it was it already out (laughs) right are you guys paying attention like marketing guy are you feeling okay Mm -hmm. (laughs) because people didn't realize that it was still technically in early access and that is what is like blurring the line between early access and like these other forms of like testing periods because I, I think it was like May. It was May of the year, the year of our good Lord 2019, which was like the best year, as we all recall. Then definitely nothing happened at the end of that year that threw the world into entire chaos. Mm-hmm. Really great year. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was on PC because they had two different early access slash beta periods for PC and console. I'm just going to be speaking on PC because I haven't played on console. Um, I know it came out for the Switch. This is very rare. I think the only the Wait, only Splitgate came out for the Switch. Mm-hmm. Was it fine? What did it I, play? I don't know. I, I don't know. Well, like I, I feel like you know games like that, like Fortnite and Road Company, like which are also on the Switch. Yeah. Like, do people play them there? I don't know. I mean, obviously they do, or else you know. I mean, they'd have it's to. Just, they'd have to. I mean, they'd have to work just because of the reputation of those companies. You know, I thought it was dumb when Call of Duty Mobile came out, but I have some friends who, like, the day it came out, they were like, this is amazing. <laughs> I was like, wow, okay. I've heard someone say it's the best iteration of modern Call of Duty yet. Wow. And this was before, like, modern, Call, like, the, you know, the reboot of the reboot of the remake of the remaster of Modern Warfare 2 came out. Yeah, because the, the 1.0 of Modern Warfare is not out yet, you know? <laughs> These numbers are just weird and ridiculous at this point. Right. Because... If you throw in remakes and remasters, it's just a whole different conversation. Um, but anyway, it came out in May of 2019. So this was like a couple of years ago, almost half a decade. I mean, wait, is math? Anyway, a couple, like 2019. And then a year later, a year over a year later, um, it was announced that it would be in early access. So the the like early access, indefinite beta is what they called it. Indefinite beta. What does that even mean? I don't know. Multiverses did the same thing. And then they took it offline and said the real release is coming out next year. Like it's getting it's getting crazy right now. Murky. So this was in indefinite beta. It was in like two years. Yeah. This was two years later that that announcement was made. And so indefinite beta, this is when people were just like, okay, the game is out now because it's been out for so long that it has to have been out. And then over a year later, in the September of the following year, they made that announcement is when they made the 1.0 announcement. Wait, wait, wait. So, so there's a been... year between what two announcements? So it came out in May of 2019. That was the first early access. And then a year later, um, that following August, it was in 
indefinite beta. And then right. a year later, it was announced to be fully released. So, and then a year after that, they access. said, actually, we're going to stop uh, supporting right. this one. We're going to move on to our new project. It's like, wait, what? So what was the point? <laughs> what was the point? It was, I don't even think it was like a full year. They were just like, yeah, we're just not feeling it anymore. We're just going to take everything that we learned from this indefinite project. beta and make it into the spiritual successor, which is why I wanted to talk about it um, right now because the front, uh, Cycles Frontier was, that could have been a spiritual successor in the way that Splitgate, uh, I think it's 1049 games uh, or 1047 games mm-hmm. um, is doing what they're doing with Splitgate and making their spiritual successor because they're still going to say it's going to, they still said it's going to be like a Portal Wars experience, which is the project name for Splitgate was Portal Wars because it was basically Portal and like, I think Halo. Oh yeah, it's totally Halo. Halo. But I don't, I don't want to say Halo Wars. Is that a real game? Is that, that is a game, game, but that's a real-time strategy. Yeah, okay. So I don't know why they called it that, but they did. Uh, but it's definitely Portal Meets Halo. Yeah, and so yeah. they're taking what they're learning from this and making it into their new Splitgate. It's probably going to be Splitgate 2, judging from Overwatch. <laughs> and like, it's <laughs> Splitgate Surprise, we were actually developing this the whole time. Yeah, so like, I don't... Well, it's still a very popular game. I mean, you can, very, you can log in and you can find games very quickly. The player base is still there. Um, I think people are still active in the Discord as well. And there are even still competitions for it. So, oh, I like, bet people will be still playing ongoing. that game for a while. It's good, you know? Yeah, it's very fun. And it's very easy to pick up. Uh, you know, and if you enjoy Portal, you will love this game because the Portal mechanics are so great. The mechanics are the same. Um, momentum carries. You can zip, zap, zoop around. It's fun. But the fact that it's still being supported is what is interesting to me because with a game like The Cycle, they closed it down. Knockout City, they closed it down. I mean, it didn't have like eternal access like Bookgate did. Um, but I think the eternal access in this instance benefited them. I think they're like, it, it sucks that we got that full on like three year test period and then only like three months of full game 1.0 release. But at the same time, in a positive light, it was a learning experience for the studio, you know? which was comprised of like Halo fans and, and things like that, right? You know, and 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 a loom from the staff of, was it Bungie? Was Bungie the first studio? Or is it Studio 343? Uh, was Bungie the... originally. And then okay, so so then Bungie a loom and then Halo fans alike collaborated to make 1047 games. And then now they're taking all of that experience. That's funny that they went from Bungie to make a studio with a number in it when Bungie became a studio with a number in it. They're like, wonder, if there's not a number in our studio, we'll never be able to compete. When it first was like, when they first announced the game and I saw 1047, I was like, I wonder if this is like some factorial of like 343 or something like that. Like, can you <laughs> multiply or add yeah, some kind what's of... What's the area code? Like, what's the zip code that this place yeah. is made in? <laughs> like, is there some kind of like inside joke there that we don't get? Uh, so I thought that was funny. But I don't know. It, it feels almost like time wasted, except for that it's not because Splitgate is still playable. Right. Like if it, they had done all that and then shut down the service like they did Knockout City, I would have been mad, you know? Yeah. A lot of people invested their time into not only providing feedback, but just enjoying the game and making like a whole league around it. There was like an esports league for Splitgate. Yeah. You could win money. There were teams. There was like a whole like community, like esports community around it. And then for it to suddenly shut down like that would have been awful. So I'm really glad that people could still play it today. Yeah. Same. But that's the first game I think of when we have like eternal access like that. Like indefinite betas i think that's such a an interesting phrase it's almost like alternate truth right or alternative, alternative fact is what facts, it was. yeah yeah <laughs> indefinite beta i was just like 
Okay. <laughs> Whatever you call it, you know. But then those games like that kind of blur what it means to be in early access, right? And so that's what I have up here. Yeah. The finals, their first closed beta, which was a closed beta, but they called it an early access period. Um, I believe that X Defiant also called their first closed beta an early access period, which lasted a lot longer than the eight hours we got two weeks ago. And I'm still mad about that, but that's neither here nor there. <laughs> uh, and then you got that exclusivity when it was only an eight hour window though, huh? I mean, there's exclusivity and then there's just like redonkulousness. Like, like if you blinked, you would have missed it. <laughs> right. Like on, I on a normal day, I wouldn't even have gotten off of work by the time that window had already closed like bruh. and that's what a lot of people were venting about like they expressed their frustrations about during that time like during and after that time it's just like what was even the point right like how much feedback do you think you got and if you were stress it, testing why'd you pick a window where a lot of people couldn't even try it out um, they're just like hey, hey, hey we, we got it just just ubisoft things i guess i don't know uh <laughs> Chrome in chat says they got to stop making up all these terms. It ain't that serious, man. The terms or we just need new ones that like better define what the the obscured muddy turn has become. Yeah, because everything seems to mean everything. Just it depends who you ask, which really is like alternative facts, you know. Uh, <laughs> it really it really is weird. Like it used to just be such a pretty well defined definition. If you said you were playing a beta. I no more questions, you know, certainly not about what the definition of a beta was, Um, but now it's all, it's all over the place. Um, And it means so many different things. And like with this indefinite beta, it basically means that these games, certain games just live in their natural state is this pre-release version, you know, and sometimes that doesn't matter. And some, you know, other times it, it does like, you know, with, with Splicket, I don't know, like you said, it's just, it's frustrating that that this life cycle would be, let's say, three years long for Splitgate, but then only a year after they say, okay, we're finally ready to show it to you, they close up shop. Like, what? Just kidding. <laughs> You've been playing the full game all along. We're done now. Bye. See you later. Right. <laughs> so whatever. The game is still playable. Um, You, you know, this uh, not the same, but I, I'm really waiting for Concerned Apes uh, next game. They made Stardew Valley and I'm waiting for the Chocolatier, Chocolatier whatever. Like, oh God, Gravekeeper something. Some, right? Something. I mean, Grave's definitely not in the name, but you're Is it not? Oh, okay. in the right in the right uh, window there. Um, I want that game to come out, but they keep going back and developing more and more stuff for Stardew. I'm like, dang, nabbit, just do the new project, you know, move on. But uh, yeah, if you get that Stardew Valley 2 out there. <laughs> You know, it's like Todd Howard said about Skyrim. He's like, uh, you know, we'd stop developing, we'd stop working on it if you guys would stop buying it. <laughs> so I can't really blame him. Um, anyway, it's, uh, you know, it's complicated. And it will continue to be complicated. But like you said, I hope I hope somebody comes out, I hope some big company makes a splash and says like, hey, we're planning our flag. This is what this is going to be called from now on. It's some term that nobody's using right now. And it's going to mean this thing you know yeah i think the important parameters consider when coming up with that is like is this early access quote unquote is it going to be free is it going to be like the 20 dollars like steam early access that we see for everything all the time to like you know fund their game mm-hmm. is it going to be like um short term long term three day week long month long indefinite quote unquote 
like what what is the time frame and how much does it cost are going to be the most important parameters I think we can establish when coming up with these terms if anyone bothers to do the work to do that. Yeah. Uh well cool. Um have we have we covered everything? Yeah. I think so. Um I just want to point out though that starting today, uh speaking of the finals, their next early access period ah. <laughs> is is now. I mean is, I, it could be live now. I don't know the hour, but I know the day, which is today, uh, October 26th. And um, it will be lasting until the 5th of November. So if the finals captured you with its first early access, um, every time I say this now, it's going to be air quotes, uh, <laughs> then, you know, go back in and, and download the playsets again and ha- have a ball. I guess there's like some new stuff that they're adding in there and it's going to be cool. It's going to be fun. Awesome. I also had a really good time playing the finals. So I thought it was like a new refreshing take on like the extraction shooter sort of affair. Yeah, I definitely enjoyed watching that. I could, I could definitely hop in and get it um oh you know what this is uh unrelated this conversation but i just want to say it uh it looks like cross progression is finally coming to apex legends like on halloween i think which is awesome because i completely forgot the game didn't have cross progression until he said that and i would have been pretty frowny face uh when i logged on and realized i didn't even have my favorite characters unlocked so uh we'll have to celebrate we will uh but yeah the r.i.p the hyenas game that, uh, oh my gosh! You just didn't. Yeah, stop for all the games that didn't even make it to the period, right? <laughs> right. <laughs> oh, and, and like a haunted chocolatier was was the name. So you, uh, you know, grave digger, chocolatier. If, if the grave digger was making the chocolate, his hands is all I'm saying. But let's see. Uh, any last words? Uh, we got Halloween coming up, but uh, I will say the spooky season is still going to be around for us. Uh, we haven't even started dipping into the spooky games we originally intended to play. Because uh, for me, the spooky season is basically October through the end of December. You know, uh, prove me wrong. <laughs> if As long as the days are this long and uh, the trees look dead, then it's spooky season, my friends. So look forward to, to some more of that. We'll be playing some uh, stuff in our community more midnight ghost hunt uh we're gonna play inside the back rooms four-player co-op game a lot of fun um and a bunch of others uh and then after this i'm gonna be playing after this stream or or, sorry after this podcast on the rest of the stream i'm gonna be playing a game called scarlet hollow that's a narrative spooky narrative game uh that has a lot of people who are involved in the no sleep podcast my my favorite horror fiction uh and sid you'll be playing uh battle crush yeah Yes, which is not spoopy at all. And it has, guess what? That Greco-Roman mythology that we're all so, like, so used to now. I can't wait for them to add the Nordic ones. You know. <laughs> uh, but you're playing it for the plot, right? Uh, for the plot. Yeah, the, the plot. Some 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 pretty robust plot. Pl- pretty huge tracts of plot. Huge <laughs> plots of land. Thanks, everybody, for listening. Uh, you can find us on Discord at discord.gg slash show. You can find our website, partyinvite.games, where you can find uh, all of our releases. Also, you can watch the video version of this podcast on Spotify. You don't have to do audio only. So if you're a Spotifyer like me, you can see uh, everything there is. Of course, this this episode wasn't super video heavy, but some of them are. Uh, yeah, Spotify is good for that these days. So I didn't know that Spotify could do that. All right, y'all, stick around, and we'll be back for everybody out in the world. We'll see you next Thursday. Bye. Bye. Ooh, spooky happy Halloween. (laughs)